0: Take your baby, tie it to a string, hit him in the face with some lemon, and drop him in the water, and see what happens. Welcome to the Fishers Podcast. Smart talk about fish, fishing, and eating fish is always interesting,
1: unusual, funny. Just take this.
0: And I'm Clay, and anything is fair game, it's a good bet that barfing fish will be the next big trend for those millennials, those <laughs> lazy bastards.
1: There's, it's no gluten, right?
0: Gluten-free. Well, if you barf it, you're free of everything.
1: Oh, it's it's food-free. Yes. Food-free eating. Nice. Mm. Nicely done. And the question
0: is, are the fish barfing, or are people barfing the fish? Oh,
1: the people are going to have to wait for this show to figure it out. Oh, only
0: time will tell. <laughs>
1: Another another theme that shows up in the show is tannins. Mm.
0: Um, Oh, wasn't there like a like a booth you can go into and you pay a certain amount of money and you get tannins?
1: Oh man, only in Kentucky, I think. (laughs) Uh, I got myself three tannins. Coupon (laughs) for three tannins.
0: Yeah. Or or weren't the tannins the uh, family in uh, Full House?
1: (laughs) What were they? (laughs) What was their name?
0: I don't know. The tannins.
1: Sure, we'll call it the tannins. Everywhere
0: you go, everywhere, everywhere. you look. That's all I know. The tannins. <laughs> yeah, the
1: tannins. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, or is that <laughs> chemical in food that actually has something to do with fish. Mm. Go figure.
0: Oh, uh, well, what is it? I don't
1: know. You know, this we're starting the show with teasers. We're trying something new.
0: Ooh, excellent.
1: Yeah, exactly. I once
0: dated someone who started off with that.
1: Led with the teaser.
0: Oh, yeah. And she ended that way, too. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Dr. Moyle, I presume.
0: Ooh, the good doctor.
1: Yes. Do you know what a Moyle is, by the way?
0: Uh, I'm afraid to say, but I think it is. (laughs) I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings.
1: I think you're right. Um, But uh, aside from that, this I have a Little Fish Nerds kind of um, fanboy thing going on. Because Dr. Peter Moyle was the author of my college ichthyology course um, textbook.
0: No kidding.
1: No kidding. And now... Look now, now look at how how yeah. the tide has turned.
0: <laughs> <It's> interesting. <laughs> well, I I think you're gonna really like this next uh, next story because you're gonna hit, hear Doctor Morial say things like scientific words you've never heard before, like "barf."
1: Oh, nice, yes. Yeah, so.
0: <laughs> which which is how you can tell someone's a real fish nerd, is not only they know a lot of stuff, but they don't take everything so seriously.
1: Oh, well, that is that is true. And this comes to us from F and West. Ah, oh, yes. The uh, amazing James and fish guy Josh.
2: What, what do you do for UC Davis and the Sassoon Marsh Project? Um, you can be as vulgar as you want to be. I could be as vulgar as I want to be, as nasty as they want, want to be, like two life crew.
3: Whoa, whoa, I hope not. Fish guy Josh. Uh, Amazing James. Here we are. Again. One more time, again. Again. What are we doing?
2: Uh, today I brought a little uh, soundbite clippage of my... Work with UC Davis on Sassoon Marsh.
3: Cool. UC Davis is uh, pretty big in the fisheries world, isn't it?
2: Yes, they are. They are definitely one of the leaders here in California doing a lot of fishery studies.
3: A good friend of mine did some shark tagging with them.
2: I, I believe it. They, they have their hands in a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably because they're led by the man, Dr. The man. Peter Moyle. Dr. Peter Moyle, the man.
3: I bet that wasn't Dr. Moyle making the two live crew reference.
2: <laughs> no, that in fact was not. That was uh, his lab manager and good friend of mine, T.J. O'Rear. Um, mm. But no, I did actually have have a, a little time after our sampling to to pull Dr. Moyle aside and, and and get some uh, some great info about what exactly we were doing today.
4: Let's hear about it. Well, I, this is a project that's been going on since January of 1979 involving monthly sampling of the fish and macroinvertebrates of Susquehanna Marsh. And it's regarded by the Department of Water Resources who funds it as being a monitoring study. They're especially interested in how their tidal gates have affected the fishes. I've always regarded it as a research project as and a way to look at the entire fish community uh, in the system. That's what's unique about it. And most other sampling programs prior to ours only looked at striped bass or salmon and did not take into account the entire community of fish, and this project was designed from the very beginning to look at that. So was, the whole idea is to try to develop a basic understanding of of how the assemblages of fish work in the San Francisco Estuary.
2: So, yeah, I mean, as you can tell just by listening to that clip, I mean, it's it's a really interesting project that they're doing. I was, I was really excited to finally hear a little more about it because I've I've gone with them several times. But um, he had, you heard him mention striped bass a little bit, and he had a really interesting take on uh, introduced striped bass there in the marsh. You wouldn't consider the striped bass a hindrance to the native fish in Sassoon Marsh? No, because, you
4: know, whatever damage the striped bass did as an introduced species, it was introduced, it, it took place a long time ago, it was introduced in 1872, uh, at a time when the horrendous things were happening to the estuary, there was tremendous overfishing of the salmon. There was the uh, hydraulic mining was totally changing the rivers, and the striped bass happened to come in at a time when it would, when it hit uh, a system that the native fishes had already been depleted, and it was the conditions were really good for striped bass spawning. So striped bass today is fully integrated into the system. It's just another predator out there, hmm. and. I like, I like to think it's important for monitoring it because, as I keep telling people, it requires a fully functioning estuary to persist. It needs the brackish waters, it needs the salty waters, it needs the fresh waters to spawn.
2: So it sort of serves as an indicator of yeah, how it, the marsh is functioning?
4: Yeah, it's a good, pretty good indicator, increasingly so, especially since Delta smelt and longfish smelt, which used to be regarded as one of the key indicator species, are just pretty much gone from the system, or they're very rare now, so... The striped bass makes a reasonable replacement.
3: Wait, 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 wait. So we have just gone from, like, the keystone species that was a native fish, the delta smelt, right, the threadfin, whatever. Seriously? We have gone from the native keystone, and now we're investigating a non-native keystone because it's wiped out that population?
2: I mean, the the striped bass have not wiped out the population. I mean, the delta smelt and longfin smelt are gone for many other reasons that humans are responsible for beyond introducing a striped bass. They you can't don't tell
3: me, you can't tell me that like the average fisherman is going to say that Delta smelt aren't gone because of striped bass. I mean, they talk about that with salmon. They blame, they blame striped bass for the salmon problems too. We have no yeah, salmon left. No, actually
2: um, the funny thing is they, they look into stuff like that because people want to blame the striped bass as the culprit for these things. But Part of this study, because it's so intricate, is, is actually looking at the stomach contents of said striped bass.
3: Right? Don't we always want to blame the new guy anyway? To, of course I mean, we want to
2: blame, blame the new guy. Blame but the new in guy. in this case, um, the new guy is not the culprit. So what do you do with the data from these uh, gut samples?
1: Uh, at this juncture, they're just sitting there. Um, i got to get my white cat stuff out first
4: when you want this is gonna be the definitive paper on striped bass predation, proving they don't eat delta smelt. Yeah. So it'll <laughs> never found a delta smelt in a striped bass to make it.
1: Yeah, in the end it's just gonna be really more descriptive of like
4: here's what you know, adult striped bass are eating in Sassoon Marsh. Well also it, it, it's it, it's nice to have something out there that says this is one of the things duck clubs do. Is they produce a lot of sticklebacks which feed the striped bass. Which I think is a great thing, and then that's a way of exporting energy to the system
2: too. Yeah, see this—this this was the part that was really cool for me because finally getting to go out on the marsh with Peter Morel himself and talk to him about this stuff. You always just you hear, well, we've introduced these species from the southeast over here in California, and and all introduced species are bad. And, and I'm sure at the time that this, the striped bass did have an impact on their initial introduction, but it was so cool to hear him talk about how no they're integrated they're they're practically a native now so that that was a a, something i wasn't expecting to hear from dr moyle and and that was the coolest part about the striped bass discussion we had but um
3: you know i read something recently or heard something recently that the san francisco bay is like the most profuse place with invasive critters yeah i mean it's incredible. Like we like there's there, to find something that's native. A huge amount of
2: human diversity here. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, hey, it's the Bay Area. We got it all.
2: Yeah, definitely. But but the the best part about the stomach sample is um in order to get the said stomach sample, uh you have to get a striped bass in the boat and that's uh that's where I mean, the whole thing was fun, but the really fun part of this was that we have to go out and do quote Boom retrieval samples, oh. which is
3: so it was which, oh oh which I see is a I fancy doing. way of
2: saying we get to go fishing in between trawls. Rough life, that to, is a rough uh, life.
3: You mean you guys don't go diving like watching striped bass <laughs> eat fish? No, we uh, we
2: actually have to to get him in the boat the old fashioned way. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a for real striper. Bring her over here, D. Just swing her over. Just leaving that much line out, it's fine. We we just we want a little bit of both.
3: Okay, so a fisheries biologist's real job is like to go on junkets and go fishing all the time, right? We just go out and catch striped bass for fun. I'm not saying that's the whole yeah, of my right, job. Right.
2: Uh, it is described in the in the sample day as quote the coffee breaks. The coffee breaks. But um, I mean, it does serve an actual is that, scientific is that union, purpose. Is that a union? I, thing, I think it's like, my my scheduled union 15 minute break. 15 minute break. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so now once you have the fish in the boat, um, you obviously can't. Just ask him what he had for breakfast. Hey, what'd you have for lunch? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, buddy, how was it? So, um, you literally have to, uh, shove water into the fish's stomach and make it barf. Um, wait, what? For the sake of those who have never heard of fish barf, we, we do have
1: this. We
3: have the sound clip.
1: This is, this is probably the top dog. She got like a little X or pal in there too.
3: So that was the sound of a barfing fish, but what what did he just say?
2: Oh, uh, the exo or pal part? Yeah, what's that? Um, he's just describing that um, this was one of the bigger fish hanging around the water pump area where we caught it because um, it had some larger prey items. The exo and pal are uh, shortened abbreviations of the scientific names of uh, some shrimp that are found in the area. So rather than just... Little wow. animals. He's we're finding being, these larger shrimp.
3: We're being all sciency.
2: Yeah, we're being sciency.
3: Science,
1: Peter. I've, I've barfed hundreds of gams out of yeah. out of you know this this,
4: this size fish. Pretty yeah. big gams, but that's that's a, that's actually interesting you
3: can do that. Th- those are pretty big gams. Those are some huge those are gams. Some huge gams. <laughs> uh, that fish had some huge gams. I'm assuming that's another sciencey term. Yeah, birth, that's
2: yeah. another. They they use a lot of abbreviated words that are shortened versions of the actual hey, we have another, scientific names. we
3: have another clip of a barfing. You want to hear it? Sure. Alright. Perfect! Perfect! It's a perfect <laughs> barfing noise. Perfect that was barf. pretty cool. So what was the rest of this trip like? What, what all, um, aside from proving that uh, striped bass aren't killing the planet, what else did you guys do?
2: I will let Dr. Morel explain that. Now I noticed that we do several different sampling methods and all that is lumped under the one project?
4: Yes, we do saning and trawling and trapping. We do various things according to uh, so, sort of research projects we have there, part of the sort of sub-parts of the project. Um, but the idea is that there's no one sampling method gives you a complete sample of the fish so you, we we use, we focus on two, especially say sanding and trawling, but We also at various other times do other kinds of sampling like gill netting and uh, trapping, minnow 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 trapping and so forth. Those
3: those dogs would make really good minnow trap bait.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I was was not happy as I'm on the boat dock, like trying to get all this info from him. And it just seemed like out of nowhere, you know, people were walking their dogs, boats started launching, you know, people were doing all kinds of stuff. It was not a dog guy,
4: dogs, dogs, fish bait. It really gives give us a good feel for the, what the fish are doing and where they are, uh, and so one of the results of that is Susu Marsh, from a fish perspective, is one of the best understood places in the San Francisco Estuary, which is sort of nice. But we've been out here sampling, you know, monthly since 1979. So how many how many years is that? That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> quite a while. Quite a while, yeah. yeah. You know, 45 years or something. Or, okay. Uh, 35 years, I guess, of sampling. Foottail 270. 270 on a splitty. 240 on a splitty. What was that? 240.
3: 240 on a splitty. A splitty being a Sacramento split tail. You got it. Sacramento split tail. Cool.
2: 31 on another Rainwater killie 31 on another
4: killie,
2: dude. Yeah. 31 on a Rainwater killie dude.
3: Killie, dude.
2: 16 exos. 16 exos. Four that, more for Peter. What's that? Four more for Peter. Four
3: more? Okay. Wait, wait, wait. What's an XO again? <laughs>
2: an XO is um, one of the the oh, shrimp found shrimp there. Shrimp
3: guys. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you guys don't even measure them. You just count the number you catch.
2: Yeah, the inverts are just counted or are ranked by, um, they do classes of like how many for the really, really small guys. But the bigger ones like that will, will count individually.
3: Pretty cool. Pretty cool. And we have like 30 something, 36 years of data.
2: Yeah, uh, thirty, yeah, thirty six, thirty seven years. Wow, long time of data. That's amazing. I mean, it's a lot has happened in that time in the marsh, but I mean, uh, a lot's happened. Period to this guy. I mean, Doctor Moyle was, jeez, he's he's seen it all, done it all. Um, So, one of the cooler things for this particular trip, having him actually out on the boat was. just getting to hear like some of his cool stories. I'm not only at Time on the Marsh, but like, I mean, one of the stories was like had to do with him being like an intern. So, I mean, that that, that was, it was just cool to hear his sharp recollection of just some of these things that happened to him like so long ago.
3: Well, and we get to like, I mean, think about it. We all start somewhere, right?
2: Yeah. And it was just like Peter Moyle telling us a little bit about how he got started, you know?
3: Yeah. Let's hear it.
4: I'm sure I've told you the story, my introduction to gill netting was on the flathead of Montana. It's the lowest person on the person on the totem pole. And we set the gillnets, and a big storm came in, so we weren't able to pull them for two days. Oh no. And they were full of yellow perch. And I got the wonderful Literally full. Literally full, <laughs> that's right. In various stages of decay. So my job as a you know, seasonal aide with the least seniority. Was To pull the we pulled the nets, put them in, in, in the buckets full of fish, and I sat all day in the fishing game garage, pulling fish out of nets, yeah, pulling dead fish, very dead fish out of nets. Fortunately, it was not
3: enough to discourage me <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what wasn 't enough to discourage me from my career what 's that the smell of rancid squid at the national aquarium in baltimore mm,
2: i I had some some early experiences with some pretty rank uh yeah. food that I had to feed when i when I first started working at uh, lumpcon down right? in south Louisiana. Right.
3: but we're still here we are still oh yeah here
2: i i I love it every every day of it
3: it's a fun job, yeah, but someone's got to do it
2: <laughs> someone's so, got to do it
3: so dr moyle pretty do- cool guy
2: dr. moyle is friggin amazing i I can't believe the time I've got. There's a a tear. uh, There's a tear rolling down my eye. (laughs) You know, seriously, I can't believe the time I've got gotten a spin with this guy. Uh, He he's just always just so full of information, and and more so than that, he's just a nice guy. I mean, like he's invited my wife and I over to like the the lab parties at his house, and he's he's so appreciative that that I, I just tag along with these guys and like bring a little scratched up field aquarium so that all his students can see what we're catching. Like it's, it's amazing to just, you know, have him come up to me. It seems like every time I bring a tank out to him, he goes, Hey, thanks again so much for bringing the aquarium. We really appreciate it. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I, it's you that I should be thanking for letting me be in the presence of Dr. Moyle. We're not worthy. Yeah, exactly. Uh But it it was it was awesome and and particular uh, I love going out on Susu Marsh I do it as you know as the yeah. guy who has to approve my travel yeah. forms um, yeah. I do it as often as I can I love doing it but it's always extra special. If my when- boss is
3: listening, it it doesn't happen that often. I promise. <laughs>
2: it, it's 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 the perfect amount, a perfect amount. But um, it's it's more perfect, made more perfect when Peter Moyle can be there to um, you know really just shed light on the project, and really just be, like, a great crew member on the boat. What's been the most interesting trends you've seen?
4: Well, the, the interesting trends have been that, of course, the disappearance of delta smelt and longfin smelt was part of it. The fact the split-tail collapsed, populations collapsed for a while, and recovered. And now that this is basically a great spot for native fish, uh, it's one of the, certainly one of the things we've consistently shown in our studies also shown that it's a really good spot for juvenile striped bass, which are might as well be native to the considered to be native because they require a functioning estuaries and they the juveniles really like Susan Marsh as a place to rear. It's also a great spot for sturgeon and, and other other fishes. So susan Marsh is is generally it was certainly neglected in the past and now it's regarded as one of the key places in the San Francisco estuary for fish, especially for as a rearing area for juvenile fish.
2: And what's your favorite fish in the marsh?
4: <laughs> I, like, I like all the native fish, but split-tail is certainly a great one. Split-tail and tulip perch are the species I've done a lot of work on. They're species not too many other people care about. Uh, and they're just they have really interesting life histories, so they're fun to study. I've certainly had a good time
2: collecting them with you guys yeah it was always good <laughs> to have you along they're Gosh. really they're really fun in the aquarium as well
4: yeah and they're they're just attractive fish that's yeah. right all
2: right perfect thank you
4: he is
3: a really nice guy and you know he also has some really great people working for him and unfortunately we didn't have very much time to talk about them
2: yeah uh the, my favorite of which i mean i i love the whole uc davis crew um uh, Uncle I, TJ. I, yeah, I, I feel like the whole cruise definitely made me uh, like an honorary member, and yeah. and that that really pleases me. Um, I was a little
3: um, jealous when we went out there. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie; like I felt like a total noob. Well,
2: you, yeah, you were a noob. It was your first time out on the boat. Yeah, I was a noob. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a rugged. I'm considered one of the experienced crew members now, which is awesome. But um, yeah. yeah, the there was not nearly enough time to delve into the life and times of Uncle TJ. Uh, Dr. Moorel's right-hand man, who in his own accounts has seen and done more fishing-related uh, and fishery science-related than than most people in the field. So I, I, I think there's a, there's a whole other cry, piece. Uh, TJ is <laughs> TJ is a good friend. He is a good guy, um, but I think he's also a, a hilarious guy to hang out with. So I, there's oh yeah.
3: Why don't we why don't we listen to some Uncle TJ? Yeah, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, this is like the tip of the iceberg, just a little taste I, little taster.
2: There's a whole other segment waiting to happen on TJ, there so, so stay tuned.
3: Stay tuned for some some Uncle TJ. Here we go.
1: Yeah, I gotta that's one thing I gotta I gotta put on my to do list is I'd love to just spend like two weeks on the mist just checking out all the cool coarse fish, man, like the quill bags. Have you seen quillbacks before? Yes. Oh
2: dude Actually, at the Oklahoma Nampa, carp they had them in the tank on display for us.
3: No yeah. way! And there was like four different species, man. The red horses are just extraordinary. Yeah. Four, you're a deer, you just take a break. I think there's break. like four or
2: five red horse too. Oh, my God. I've yeah, seen at least so three of those.
3: Cool. Quillback?
2: Oh, dude! No way! <laughs> no way! <laughs> TJ, I love you, buddy.
3: All right. Till next time, I'm Amazing James.
2: And I'm Fish Guy Josh. And, and this, this is Effin and west, west.
1: fish in the news
0: I love fish in the news <laughs> I've heard I've
1: heard you like
0: that <laughs> Yeah I say that a lot
1: Yeah cuz um, it's true
0: You it, know if you love someone <laughs> you really should say it a lot <laughs> Otherwise like if I don't say it like in 2 weeks fish in the news will come to me and go Do you still love me? And I would say, "Yeah, well you never say it anymore. I feel like we're just roommates." <laughs> So I got to say it every week. That's yeah, why. I understand. Yeah. Well,
1: it's good. It's it's yeah. good practice. Yeah. Um, do I look
0: fat in this news?
1: Uh, see, now there you go. There you go. <laughs> Just digging a hole.
0: Yeah, I do that.
1: <laughs> this story comes to us from the hour in uh, the beautiful nutmeg state of Connecticut.
0: Oh, man. I, well, I don't even know what nutmeg is.
1: <laughs> well, it, you know, it's in Connecticut, I guess.
0: Like I've eaten nutmeg. Yeah. But I don't know what it is.
1: It must be. It's either bark or root. I bet bark.
0: I bet bark, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, what state... Or, you know what? I bet it's a nut.
0: <laughs> nut, <to> Meg? <make. laughs> we could always look it up, you know, yeah. but it's too easy.
1: What crazy talk. Yeah. Um, what state fish... This is the title of the piece. What state fish are safe to eat?
0: Oh. So, state fish. Right. they they, so not fish that live in a state, but the actual state fish, like New Hampshire state fish being the brook trout, or is Connecticut is that striped bass?
1: Uh, Connecticut striped bass, maybe. No, no I, I think they. No, that's have Massachusetts. A, well, they have freshwater, saltwater. Oh. Uh, you know. Kind so of are thing.
0: they okay? So, but they're really talking about state fish.
1: I was hoping they were going to go through all of the official state fish of the country and go. You know what? In Indiana, you can't eat a largemouth bass. You know
0: that'll be really interesting. If they don't do that, let's just do that story ourselves.
1: Oh, you know we should. Um, yeah. But from Norwalk, Connecticut, it says as it turns out, we're not the only ones who like to stay in during cold weather. Okay, yeah, isn't that interesting? So when it hits fifty degrees. That's the magic number when the fish come alive, said Captain Jeremy Rubino. Is
0: that air temperature or water temperature?
1: I assume water temperature. Okay. Uh, Saturday was the opening day of freshwater trout season in Connecticut. But on Wednesday, just three days after the advent of this fishing season, no fishermen or their slippery, flippery counterparts were at at Calf Pastures Fishing Wharf.
0: Calf Pastors Fishing Wharf. Yeah. That's wharf. the
1: name that they need a new name for a fishing wharf.
0: Really difficult to say.
1: Yes, it is. They, you know, the locals have some other name for it. Sure. Yeah. Um, but the story goes on to say while cold temperatures can deter fish and people, there's another factor that could be discouraging Norwalk residents. Connecticut waters, though the cleanest they've been in decades, still have lingering contaminants like PCBs, mercury, and lead in its fish. Wow, yeah, uh, pretty much the case everywhere, I think.
0: I think so. Um, well, especially if you look at the Northeast, where the jet stream flies through, uh, you get a lot of acid rain, high mercury from you know burning fossil fuels. So it happens.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, so the the story goes on where it has. Uh, While most of the threat has subsided, not everyone feels comfortable with returning to Long Island Sound or Norwalk River to fill their dinner plates. Even Demetrios
0: Oh, that's fun to say.
1: Yeah. Uh, a retired restaurant owner from Norwalk. Pepsi, not Coke. Coke,
0: <laughs> no Pepsi.
1: No, no, it's Pepsi, no Coke.
0: Pepsi, no Coke. I I don't know what you're doing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I... <laughs> Saturday Night Live.
0: Oh, that's old school.
1: Uh, yeah. That, Jim that's Belushi, right? Jim Belushi, yeah. 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 Okay, Pepsi, I no gotcha. Coke.
0: I'm, I'm a little younger than you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, and a frequent fisher, Demetrios is a frequent fisher in the last five years. Oh, I thought um, you were
0: reading me a Latin name of something. <laughs>
1: no, that's the guy's that's, name. No way. Yes. Dimitrios <laughs> Apollosis. I,
0: you know, when I hear, like, I, I'm not the kind of fisher that actually speaks in Latin names. And so whenever I hear people saying Latin names, I just smile and nod. Yeah. Like I did when you said dimitri's name. And I just assumed you were just smarter than me. <laughs> no. Well, now, I'm sh- now I'm sure you're smarter than me. <laughs> We've now confirmed it.
1: <laughs> but no, he's a restaurant owner, and he has his gear in his truck all the time. And he is quoted as saying, I used to bring so many fish home until my wife said, please, no more.
0: <laughs> until my wife died. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bryle Toll, the State Department public health epidemiologist, Mm-hmm. Said in a re- in a release that people could be overreacting. That's true. Yeah, he was quoted as saying, "Previous warnings about toxic chemicals in fish have alarmed the public and scared some away." Toll said, "We are now learning that there are plenty of healthy fish to eat, even during pregnancy." I always thought like bluefish were like going to be a PCB issue, and he's. He I, I would think
0: any sense. of those large, muscly fish that kind of yeah.
1: Yeah, so he's saying. I guess he's saying the the data shows different.
0: Well, that's good news. Yeah.
1: So the, and, and you know,
0: the amount of pregnant women out fishing for bluefish uh, is pretty high. Right. Yeah.
1: And and the uh, the number of pregnant men fishing for bluefish
0: even is, higher. Yeah. I've seen them. They're, they're <laughs> carrying something in their front.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, so the story concludes. About eighty percent of Apizetus customers. <laughs> Fish to eat," he said. "Only fishes. He only fishes for sport now. But Mm -hmm. he was unique among his peers at the wharf.
0: Wouldn't it be fun if people fish for sport, but it wasn't for the sport of fishing? Like, like if they if they had a different sport in mind, you know? Like if they're fishing for basketball, (laughs) you know? And like they just have these nets floating and they catch a fish and they gotta like throw it through the net, or they're fishing for football and they catch one and just huck it across the boat at somebody. Just change, like make it a real sport.
1: Well, and I could just see Apositas. Yeah, have you seen these old guys that hang around the shore and play like um, bocce ball and stuff?
0: Oh, my. Just rolling fish into each other? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we have our new retirement plan, Clark.
0: I love it. New sport fishing.
1: Yeah, very good. So that's yeah, that I would, story. I would
0: watch it, by the way. Oh, like, yeah. I don't, I don't watch like professional bass fishing or that stuff, but I think I would watch sport fishing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. fishing for soccer.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Goal! <laughs> the next story comes from Chemistry World. Ooh. I know.
0: That sounds like the most boring magazine ever. <laughs> it's like you can read that in Golf Pro, and you can find out how to best sleep. Like, they're both our cures for insomnia.
1: Yeah, you say that now, but if you saw the centerfold in chemistry world,
0: woo! Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Oh my god,
1: there's some sodium chloride.
0: N-A-C-L all day.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> the,
0: those, those hydrogen bonds go all the way up. <laughs> nice. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> the story, the title of this story is Mouth-Puckering Molecule... Inspires Fish Catching Glove. Wow. Isn't that a title?
0: That's a tough, wow. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm listening.
1: All right. So, as it goes, the story starts out, Could physical and chemical processes happen when certain foods and drinks enter our mouth be useful in catching meals in the future? That is a prospect that Zhou At the Lanzhou Institute of Chemical Physics in China, and colleagues have raised by studying mouth-drying phenomenon known as astringency.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Pucker face.
1: Pucker face. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) They've measured how tannic acid diminishes saliva proteins' lubricating effect. And then informally shown that a similar effect makes it easier to grab slippery fish. We believe the underlining astringent molecule mechanism is rather universal, says the researcher.
0: All right. I, I want to hear more. Before. I have some thoughts, but I want to hear more.
1: <laughs> so it goes on to say, if you drink wine or coffee, uh-huh. or if you've, you've eaten unripe fruit, uh-huh. you've probably experienced astringency mouth roughening.
0: Okay. I'm sure of it.
1: It's that puckering sensation.
0: Uh-huh. Yes. Well, well, this makes some sense.
1: That's the loss of the saliva's miraculous lubricating ability, says Paul Brasillin of, uh, of the research institution in f- Philadelphia. Okay. And so basically the mucin, so like sort mucinics, but mucin, that must be the right. scientific name of snot and Right, saliva, the gross stuff. Yeah, gross stuff. Proteins secreted in saliva are unusual in being able to lubricate under the extremely high pressures of our teeth. Hmm. So as our teeth crush things, it's kind of amazing because they can still be lubricated by this muslin.
0: muslin. That's, that's great.
1: Um, and But they said this astringent is kind of interesting because it breaks all that down. And guess what? Very similar to fish slime.
0: All right. So now we know that. How does it make us catch more fish?
1: So they impregnate a glove with this tannic acid molecules. Mm-hmm. So then, when you grab onto the fish, it causes the slime on the outside to slurp up and pucker and lose its lose its lubricating ability.
0: Oh, so it only works good, good for hand fishing.
1: Right, you got to reach in and grab them.
0: Yeah, or if you could just use your mouth, just grab them with your mouth. <laughs>
1: That's right. You could. Yeah. You could, no, no, you'd have to grab it with a, a lemon.
0: <laughs> yeah, but to you, if you're doing this, you're really not going to release the fish after, are you?
1: probably not or or the fish is going to be like ooh i my my body just puckered <laughs> um, some of them might like it it probably wouldn't kill them or hurt them you know it, mm-hmm. it just they would just have to produce more slime but um just like you don't die when you eat you know a lemon
0: you don't die
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: did you, when your kid was little did you like get joy from throwing lemons on her tray like when she's eating
1: <laughs> no ah uh,
0: I, I remember when my kids both when we were little, I would just – my wife would get so frustrated with me because I'd always be like handing them a piece of lemon like, just to watch their faces when they were like six months old, eight months old. Yeah. Because they always shoved it in their face and they always made those great kid faces. <laughs> but now knowing that, you bring your kids fishing. You take your baby, you tie it to a string, hit him in the face with some lemon and drop him in the water and see what happens.
1: Oh, you know what happens? Therapy happens.
0: For 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 <laughs> for, for your, your kids for, about 15 oh, I, years after. No, no, the kids are so little. They don't remember it. But it's marriage therapy because if you want to keep married, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't do that. No. Yeah, yeah, well there you go. So the future may have new fish gloves for fishermen that are uh you know like like sour patch kid gloves.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't see it.
1: You don't see it. Why don't you see it?
0: I don't see a market.
1: Well, Uh, It's a big market for like commercial fishing. If they're trying to. Oh,
0: okay. I I was thinking about angling. Uh, Yeah. um, No, no.
1: So if you got big batches of fish that you got to move from here to there, if you had these these pucker gloves, you could Mm -hmm. uh, just. How
0: how much? How much would they cost?
1: Uh, Apparently, according to the research, one million dollars.
0: Well, then buy me two. It didn't say. Yeah.
1: it could be very cheap i don't know you you know how these these scientists are they they don't worry about the end markets they're just like hey you know what i bet i bet puckering could catch a fish
0: now i wonder so you know that when you can you get your hands wet mm-hmm. they get wrinkly right mm-hmm. you know this you know why that happens
1: i don't know why that happens
0: okay so you think you're absorbing water but you're not what's happening is is your 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 blood and all that's moving away from the end of your fingertips, making them wrinkly, but it's actually designed to improve grip underwater hmm. and designed or that's evolved.
1: No, and I, I thought you meant the higher power designed it.
0: That God made us want to hold things underwater.
4: <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> all right. So whatever you believe.
4: Right.
0: <laughs> Either way, something. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So I was thinking, what if you could, if you ate enough lemons, could you just excrete the puckering effect through your puckered fingers, and then you can skip the gloves entirely.
1: <laughs> Maybe.
0: And and the added benefit of, of scurvy prevention.
1: Ah, uh, scurvy prevention.
0: Right, for all these sailors.
1: Yes, that, that is a problem.
0: <laughs> it is huge. <laughs> um, so that's well, my recommendation. Eat more lemons.
1: Eat more lemons. Well, they, they talk about tannic acid, too, so that means you could just get sloshed on wine. <laughs> Maybe that's why all those winos show up at the wharf.
0: There it is. Yeah. (laughs) All right. From now on, I'm fishing with a bottle.
1: There you go. It's science. It's proof. It was in chemistry world.
0: Because science.
1: Because science. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The last fish in the news story isn't isn't necessarily about fish, but it's about a place that holds fish that's near and dear to our hearts.
0: Oh, I know this story. So
1: this comes from the Eagle Tribune, uh, and I decided to pull the editorial on this.
0: Oh, that's um, more fun.
1: Yeah. So this yeah. was a piece that ran that noted that the Merrimack River is one of the most threatened waterways in the nation.
0: Yeah. And it should be noted uh, for listeners, Dave and I used to work at the Amoskeag Fishways on the Merrimack River. Um, so we were pretty well versed in the river and ecology there. I also used to work on the, river, the watershed council for the Merrimack River. Uh, I used to give tours, <laughs> uh, trolley tours of, of Lawrence, Massachusetts, on the Merrimack River.
1: So, yeah. So the Merrimack River yeah. and you— uh, Love that river. Yeah. Intertwined. Yeah.
0: It yeah. Right. My, one of my favorite rivers.
1: Yeah. Uh, and the editorial is sounding the alarm about a new threat to the Merrimack River. Uh, the editorial goes on to say, for a century, the Merrimack River was an open sewer. Choked with the— <laughs> Yay! <human."> Yay! <laughs> Choked—this was obviously from the tourism department— um, uh-huh choked with the human and industrial waste that poured from the cities that sprung up along the river to capitalize on the water power to produce textiles and other goods. Yeah, there's a great
0: video probably online somewhere called Blood River. You can watch the history of the Merrimack River. It's just nasty.
1: Yeah, it would change color depending on what dyes they were using for the uh, clothes.
0: Yeah, not only that, but also the, all the, there was, on the mill yards, not just the clothing going on, but the slaughterhouses dumping all kinds of blood downstream, and yeah. it was yucky.
1: By the nineteen seventies, the story goes, the once pristine waterway was as good as dead.
0: Dun dun dun
1: But it came back to life thanks to the Clean Water Act of nineteen seventy two.
0: Yeah, suck on that, (laughs) right wingers.
1: (laughs) And the expenditure of millions and millions of dollars to construct wastewater treatment plants to stop the flow of raw sewage into the river. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, before those plants were into operation, wait, wait,
0: wait. So you're saying making rules saying you can't ruin rivers is good? <laughs> is that what you're saying? I am saying that. Are you going on record? I am. All right, I'll, I'll support that. that. Yeah. Uh,
1: the editorial then says, before those plants went into operation in the 1970s and 80s, the Merrimack was on the list of the 10 most polluted rivers in the nation. Hmm. Now it's on another such list: America's top. 10 Most Endangered Rivers.
0: What does endangered like, river mean? Like, it, mean? Yeah, right, let let's me define
1: let's Let's read through this and figure this out. The report has been published annually since 1984 by the American Rivers uh, Group, which is a nonprofit organization. This is the first year the Merrimack has been on the list. The newest threat to the Merrimack is not sewage or industrial waste. It is the development and the runoff that results... When forests are cut to make way for homes, schools, businesses, lawns, and driveways.
0: Okay. There, you go. there so, it is. So. It's damn kids. Those damn kids and millennials. <laughs> <laughs> they're so lazy, they're wrecking the river.
1: I know. Yeah. Uh, the story goes on that that's ironic because the boom in development is due in part to the success of the region has in cleaning up the Merrimack River. So now people want to live next to it, and now they're killing it that way.
0: Yeah, you know, I I would want to live next to it. It's pretty great.
1: (laughs) It is pretty great, especially up by, uh, like, above Manchester, where it's almost lake-like.
0: Yeah, it's great fun.
1: Yeah. The executive director of the Merrimack River Watershed Council.
0: I used to work for them.
1: Yeah. Carolee Shumway. I don't know her. I don't know either. Hopes the red flag raised by the American Rivers Report will make the public take note.
0: What can they do? Tear their houses down?
1: Tear their houses down.
0: Tear down that house.
1: <laughs> uh, nope. I think what they're going to do is try to protect all that land that is currently in forested area and not so it doesn't turn into houses. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. That's amazing. Yeah. And they could do other things like uh, permeable um, asphalt.
0: Mm-hmm. What so, fault?
1: <laughs> butt fault.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, Yeah. So the water. So instead of the rain hitting it and washing off, it goes right through.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's a funny thing. We work so hard for lawns, you know, and having you know we want our grass to be green, and we fertilize like crazy, and we're so happy with it, and then we don't think about what that means for everything else.
1: Oh, I know it. I know it. And um, I, as you know, I live between two landscaping companies. Yes. Like (laughs) these are homeowner things. So these people's homes that they also run lawn care operations out of so their lawns are awesome
4: you Mm -hmm. know they're
1: like these green lush you know you can imagine sort of naked nymphs rolling around in these things in in the moonlight um mine looks like you know a junkyard like sanford and son remember that show yes yes that's that's my front yard
0: right but yours is more environmentally friendly
1: it is. That's what I keep telling them. Is like I'm a fisherman. I want to protect the waterway, so I'm not going to be putting fertilizer on. I'm not going to be putting, you know, pesticides on. I'm not going to be mowing my lawn very often. I may pee in it once in a while, mm-hmm. but for the most
0: part, I <laughs> pee in it sometimes.
1: <laughs> for the most part, I am a fish-friendly lawn and homeowner.
0: You are. Yeah. Also lazy. <laughs>
1: No, well, that's just a happy, happy happenstance.
0: Right. That's a benefit of being environmentally friendly. That's right. Yeah.
1: That's my kind of environmentalism, by the way.
0: It's the easiest kind.
1: That's, you know, the, the best environmentalist is the one that just just lays there.
0: Just don't do anything.
1: Just don't do nothing. Don't <laughs> do spend nothing. money. Don't do nothing.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. It's kind of sad, but it's interesting. I So we're endangered now, the river. Mm-hmm. And I don't still know what the word endangered means. Like, it's the river's still going to be there. Uh, it just won't be healthy.
1: It won't be healthy, yes. It'll it'll get okay. back to being harmed. So Now,
0: the- I I want to know, well, how come, first year on the list, why didn't we start off as threatened? Give us some, a warning shot and then personal list.
1: <laughs> and then on endangered, we might have been on threatened. It just probably didn't make the, the news. No one cared. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. it wasn't news. Yeah, well...
1: But, um, but yeah, so now, yeah, it's endangered. And uh, to make it fishy, since we are the fish nerds, um, let's go back and forth and name a species of fish that we've caught out of the Merrimack River. And we'll okay. s- whoever ends with the last one wins, okay? All Ready? right. Yeah. I'll, I'll go first. Smallmouth bass. Atlantic salmon. Largemouth bass. Carp. Bluegill.
0: Uh, red breast sunfish.
1: Mm, good one. Yeah. Um, uh, sea lamprey.
0: Ooh, good one. Walleye.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, American Shad.
0: American Eel. Oh,
1: ah, nice. Yeah. Uh, river Herring.
0: I was going to say that. Uh, blueback Herring.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, like you knew it was a Blueback <laughs> Herring. Uh, um, oh, no. Oh, no. White Sucker.
0: Oh, good one. Yeah, White Perch.
1: Ah. Yep. Uh, did you really catch a White Perch out of there? I
0: have. Yep. Up <laughs> in the dam.
1: Yeah. Uh, dang. Good one. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm in trouble. I'm in mm-hmm. trouble. Come on. Uh, I don't know. Pickerel.
0: A chain up for sure. Rainbow trout.
1: Oh, nice. I'm going to mm-hmm. say brook trout.
0: You have you caught one?
1: I'm going to say yeah. brook trout.
0: All right. <laughs> I've caught several there. <laughs> Okay, good. So they, they're there. uh Rock bass.
1: Oh, that was
0: lots good. and lots of rock bass.
1: Lots and lots of. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you win because I can't yeah. think of any. Although, margin,
0: margin, mad Tom.
1: Margin, mad Tom. That's right. We did catch those there.
0: Yeah, lots of them.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And there are darters around there. I, I tried a long time to catch those um, tessellated, I believe, and I yeah. failed.
0: And we've caught shiners.
1: Oh, you're right, Golden yeah. shiners and common shiners out of there.
0: That's right.
1: Ah, you're right. Boy. Yeah, you
0: said you said shad, right?
1: I did. American shad. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I caught a nice one of those out down below there.
0: Oh, they're fun to catch. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Very good. Well, nicely done, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Good. Good job.
0: Yeah. If I had like one minute, I would think of more, but I'm done.
1: <laughs> so that is it that's it you've listened to a couple of fish nerds when you could have been fishing we'd
0: like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast go on fishing quests and do all sorts of silly things that middle aged guys do oh, that's tough to say if you would like to support the fish nerds go to patreon.com and give us a dollar
1: <laughs> a special thanks to Amazing James and Fish Guy Josh for the F&West segment. And, of course, a huge thanks to Dr. Moyle.
0: And until next time, follow the code of the fish nerd: spawn early and often.
1: Avoid free lunches with strings attached. And
0: swim against the current every chance you get.